First off, welcome. I'm Josh, teaching minister. I think I know most of you, but if I don't, I'm glad that you are here and joining us today. And for those of you joining us online, welcome. We are so glad that although separated sometimes by distance, we are united in Jesus Christ. And it's because of Jesus that we get to celebrate today the life of a dear sister. Mackie Parks graduated to eternity yesterday. She went home to be with our Lord and Savior Jesus and uh, although we are so, so sad for Buddy and those who love ba- Mackie dearly, we celebrate the fact that she has had victory over the grave and she is with Jesus Christ. Is that good news, church? And listen, for all of those who long for the day of reunion with those who have already gone home to be with Jesus, this is when we get to reaffirm that which is so central to our faith, that Jesus Christ had victory over the death, over the grave, and because of his victory, all who come to him have assurance that what happens here is not the end. Can I get an amen from anyone this morning? And so we want to thank God, and I'm going to ask you to bow with me as we thank God for Mackie's life, and more importantly, for Jesus' work in saving her. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the life that Mackie lived for her faithfulness to Jesus, but more than that, Father, we celebrate your faithfulness to her. And as those who have found hope and life in Jesus, we again lay everything we have on the promise that what we're going through now is not the end. I'm so grateful for the fact that as Christians, the worst thing is never the last thing because you win. So we celebrate Mackie's life. We celebrate what she has done, and now she is celebrating with you. Be with those who love her. Be with Buddy. Be with the whole family. And Lord, for those of us in our church who are mourning the loss of others that are so dear to us, remind us to keep our eyes pointed on Jesus and recognize that until you call us home, we have a job today. May we step into it in Jesus' name. And those who agree say, amen. Man, one last thing while you have your devices, I need your help today. Every week we want to be active in living out the mission of Jesus in this church. Amen? Anyone? Or I just We want to live into what God is calling us to. And you say, how do we do that in this world? Hey, we're going to make it so simple on you. Every week, our plan is to make it super simple for everyone to take one next step. And here's the way I'm going to invite you to do that. On your phone, go to clearcreekcoc.org slash Sunday. We've already told you about this, but we're going to tell you every Sunday, go to this website, clearcreekcoc.org slash Sunday. That's our church website. And Sunday takes you to a page with everything you need for today. Next steps, ways to sign up for groups, to give, to hear what's happening in our church, news. There's notes for the sermon this morning. And here's what I need from you. Bottom of that page, it says connect card. There's a place for you to fill that out. And here's what we're doing. Every Sunday, we're going to make a donation on behalf of every family or individual who fills out their Connect card, and it will go to one of our local partner ministries. And so through the month of August, every one of you, I mean right now, today, if you fill yours out, it will impact the giving that we do. We're going to give a gift to Cry for the Broken this month. Cry for the Broken helps ladies, women come off the streets and find hope and life and restoration in Jesus Christ. So all you have to do, fill it out and uh, we're going to bless them even more as you let us know that you're here and part of what's going on. Same with you at home. So join us in this now.
Next Sunday, we're going to jump into a series called Anxious for Nothing. We're going to talk about how to wrestle through life's challenges. But today, we're going to wrap up our four-week series on living an active life. Because we are convinced as a body of Christ that the, the church is not the hope of the world. You say, wait, 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 what? Yeah, yeah. The church is not the hope of the world. The active or activated church is the hope of the world, meaning sitting, soaking, becoming stale or stagnant because you simply come to church is not what God has called any of us into. Rather, the hope of the world is when the church of Jesus Christ is sent and lives on mission according to what God has called us into. And so all month we have been looking at what does it mean to live active lives. And today we're going to look at something that every one of us, no matter who you are, I guarantee every one of us, this is going to impact you. In fact, without me even telling you, you are being impacted by the topic of today's teaching. And here it is. No matter who you are, one thing we all have in common is this. We all have a limited amount of time. Young, old, limited time. Rich, poor, limited time. Smart, not so smart, limited time. Pretty, not pretty, kind of pretty, sort of pretty, doesn't matter, limited time. Every one of us came into this world and no matter how long we have, our time is limited. You say, that's depressing. No, it's reality. We all have a limited amount of time. Now, I am just going to be real bone honest with you guys throughout today's message. I just want to be very frank with you. The reason this message is important to all of us is because we have all been given a certain amount of time, but we don't all use that time the same way, do we? I mean, some of us, uh, we will use it for certain hobbies or certain relationships or certain endeavors, but we all use our time differently. And in fact, when you're younger, when you're younger, time, you feel like you have too much of it, right? Time goes by so slowly. Christmas doesn't come once a year. It feels like it comes every five or ten years. Can I get an amen from a kid here today? Good news. We're only four months from Christmas. And for the adults, it's not that time goes by so slowly, but you hear Christmas is here in four months and you go, oh, it was just here two weeks ago. Time goes by so very, very fast. Now, I don't know if it's just part of the human condition, but we tend to celebrate time and commemorate it in chunks. So we celebrate it in years, don't we? We'll have birthday celebrations. We commemorate time that way. Or we celebrate decades. Or we celebrate, if we live long enough, the passing of a new century. Or if you were around in the year 1999 and then when it clicked over to 2000, we commemorated a millennia. That was a big moment. But isn't it interesting that we don't commemorate the smaller moments? We don't commemorate the months the days, or the minutes, do we? Unless, of course, you're dating for the very first time. And then someone comes up to you, they're they're all giddy, like, we're celebrating today? Oh, really? What are you celebrating? It's our anniversary? Oh, really? How long have you been together? Two months. I know, I know. And you're like, okay, that's that's, uh, good for you. Two months, Wow. We don't commemorate these small moments. We just seem to commemorate the big chunks. 
And yet what I want to push you guys into today is because we have a limited amount of time, every minute is important. Not just the big milestones, but the minutes matter. So I I was kind of curious about this and my curiosity got the better of me. I was wondering how many minutes, if we get to live a year, how many minutes do we have in the year? So I, I pulled out my trusty calculator and this is the number of minutes, if God allows, that you and I will live over the next 365 days. You and I will live 525,600 minutes. Some of you even have a song to remind yourself of how many minutes you will live. We will live 525,600 minutes. Now, you will sleep for one-third of those minutes. Some of you are going, underachievers, I can sleep for half of those minutes. But on average, you'll sleep a third of those minutes. You and I will use up another third of those minutes doing other things like getting ready in the morning, eating meals, checking email. Boom, boom, boom. We will spend a third of our time doing those things. And that means that you and I, by God's grace, will have about a third of those minutes that we can step into as opportunities to live fully alive. I was thinking about it. If you live... 70 years. How many minutes do you get in 70 years? And I, I again checked my little calculator and according to this, if my math is right, in 70 years you will enjoy 36,792,000 minutes. Literally millions of minutes. But here's the thing, those minutes, although you may have millions of them, something is going on. In fact, Buried within all those minutes is something far more significant. There are moments that shape your life. And there may be hundreds of these moments from all these minutes that that is what defines and makes you. In fact, if you live long enough, you'll look back and there will not be millions of minutes or hundreds of moments, but there will be five or six defining moments that really shape who you are. Maybe it was that moment where she said yes, fellas. Or it's that moment where you said yes to Jesus in baptism. Maybe it's that moment where your child says, I want to follow Christ. Maybe it's that moment when that loved one passed away. These are the defining moments that shape us who we are. And these are the five or six moments where everything leads to and comes out from. But here's what I want to suggest today as we consider activated lives. Is that these defining moments, if we understand what's really happening, that these defining moments are ultimately not defining, but they're divine moments where Jesus Christ is inviting us to join him in something spectacular. He wants to take those mundane moments and not just make them defining, but divine. These are the moments that even when they're very painful, he says, I can do something with that, where it's not simply a painful moment, but it's a moment that I will change into a purposeful moment. See, activated living means that we say it is all about time. So the big question that we're going to explore this morning is simply this. How much of your time will be filled with moments and not just minutes? How, many, how much of your time will be filled with moments, not just minutes? Because there's a massive difference between simply existing and living this life. This is what Jesus tells us in John chapter 9 and verse 4. He says this very powerful phrase. He says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. And he says, here's why. Because night 
is, say this last word with me real loud, coming. Night is coming when no one can do any work. So he's saying it is daytime. Now, day represents your life. Right now we're living in day. You are living in the day of your life. Day is when you go to work, when you have a family, when you spend time with others, when you invest your time, energy, and resources. But we all also have a night that is coming. This is when the toys get put back in the box. We have, if you do not believe in Christ, you have the eternal sleep. But if you are a believer in Jesus, this is not a moment of eternal sleep, but a moment that ushers us into eternal celebration. But the day of work is over at that point, and it's now night. And so Jesus is saying to every one of us, he's saying, as long as it's day, as long as you're alive, get to work. The minutes matter. Don't waste the minutes because they can be changed into moments that radically transform your life and the lives of other people. In fact, do you notice Jesus when he's talking? He's surrounded by followers and friends and people listening, but he does not say as long as it's day, I must do the works of the one who sent me. He says, we must do the works. He is speaking to those who are close to him and he says, I'm inviting you into what God is doing in our world So long as you're alive, God has something for you to do. I know your heart is broken because of this situation or this loss. And God's heart breaks with yours, but your job's not over. If you have minutes, then God wants to transform those minutes into moments that will become defining, divine moments that will transform your life and the life of others around you. He says, we must do the works of him who sent me. Now, why do we do this? It's because you have a day and we also have a night. And so Jesus says, we, you, me, all of us must do the works of him who sent me. Now, what's the context of what Jesus is saying here? Well, Jesus had three years to fulfill his purpose. You know, I I just turned 38. Some of you are going, man, you are so young. And I say, bless you. Yes, I am young. I am healthy. Thank you. I receive that. And when I'm 60 or 70, you continue to say I'm young. I'll receive it. But I started thinking three years ago, 35, what was I doing then? Can you imagine having the weight of setting up a movement, grabbing and cultivating followers who will continue the movement, communicating the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign is not simply in the future, but saying it is now here, right now, God's rule, God's reign, God's love, it's present and available to everyone. He had three years to do all of this. Go to the cross, die, be resurrected, and ascend to the Father. Three years. Jesus is on a mission and he has followers with him. And it's in this context he's going around. And so in verse 1, Jesus, with his followers, we're told this, as he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. It says this, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, that means teacher, so Jesus, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind. Neither this man, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, what's interesting to me is this. They are simply going about daily business. This is not the only beggar. This is not the only person who's blind that they see. And yet, a mundane minute is about to become a divine moment because Jesus shows up. Now, isn't it interesting, though, that the followers are not concerned with 
what God might do in a moment. They're more concerned with debating what the problem and the cause of the problem really is. Did you see that? Hey, Jesus, who caused the problem? This guy or his parents? Because there was a belief in their culture that if you experienced problems in your life, it was because you or someone close to you sinned and did something to receive penalty of sin in your life. So clearly, for this man to be born blind, either his mom and daddy sinned, or perhaps while he was still inside his mom, he said a bad word or thought a bad word, and that's what did it to him. And say, who who did it? Isn't it interesting, family, that when we face problems, we always want to find out where we can cast blame? Have you noticed that? Like for me, when the coronavirus popped up and then life began to change and we're all wearing these goofy masks and we're having to do different things we used to do and we can't go someplace, we have to go other places, all that. I want to know, who can I blame for this? God, who sinned? Was it the government? Was it the Chinese? Was it the local or state officials? Is it the church? Is it my friend? Is it my child who doesn't wash? Who caused this problem? Whose fault is it? And I love that Jesus doesn't play the blame game. See, blaming might be able to diagnose what is happening, but it cannot always give us an answer for how to move past what's happening. And Jesus' goal, his desire is not simply that we would walk into minutes, but that we would see him at work so that they would be divine moments. And so Jesus says, hey, you've got the wrong question. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happened. What happened? Well, okay, quick question. What's going on in your world right now that you're asking God why? What, what is that thing? Now, globally, we could call the pandemic and say Why? Or maybe more personally, you're looking at your bank account and you're saying, why? And maybe it is a cause of one person or this situation. End of the day, God's concern is not simply the why, it's what we're going to do about the why. Or maybe it's not your finances, maybe it's a personal relationship that just keeps you up at night. Or maybe it's something going on under the surface in your own life or its health. And you may be asking God, what happened? Why did this happen? And notice Jesus' response, I love this. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Is it possible that God is allowing you and me to walk through this moment so that God's purposes and glory would be displayed? Is that possible? See, I think a lot of us would approach this season far differently if we recognize God was at work and not see it as an inconvenience or a hurdle or we're just going to wait until it's over to re-engage. Let's do it this way. Quick question. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you, and at home I want you to tell us in the chat as well, how many of you were around long enough ago to remember a time when if you wanted to watch a show on TV you actually had to be present when the show came on TV. How many of you remember the days like that? Oh man, you're my people. So if you want to watch a show, you had to roll up at time, be present, right channel, or as Adam West, the Batman of the 1960s, it was next time, join us at this same bat time, same bat channel, and we'll watch what happens next. And you had to be there or you missed it. For me growing up, it wasn't the 1960s Batman. I wasn't around back then, but it was the 1990s TGIF, 
Thank goodness it's Friday night when the mood is right. You remember this? We're going to have some fun, show you how it's done. D-G-I-F. Anyone else? Another song comes to mind now. All by myself. You guys remember this though? And so you'd watch Full House. Family Matters with Steve Urkel and or step by step you would watch these different shows but if you weren't there at time you missed it because they couldn't you couldn't pause that show but then do you remember some of you remember that golden moment when they came up with this wonderful technology called TiVo how many of you had a TiVo set or knew someone who did and you were jealous of their TiVo set. Anyone even TiVo, you could like record it when you were not present and then go back and watch. Any of you remember TiVo? I remember I had some friends who had it and they had a remote that they could go and they could watch it. And then, then I love this. If you didn't want to watch the commercials, what could you do if you had recorded it on TiVo? You skip right past that. No, I don't want to hear about how to get rid of that foot fungus. I'm going to skip that commercial. No, I don't want to know how to, you know, help with this situation or deal with that situation. I'm going to skip the commercials. And then, of course, if there was that scary part or that annoying part in the show, what did you do as well? You just skip that as well. I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to move past it. And hey, what happens if you needed to, uh, let's just say, get some more refreshments or use the restroom in the middle of the show and it was TiVo'd? What could you do? You just pause that thing. I'll come back to it when I'm ready. And then, and then, we get past TiVo, and now we are in the golden era of entertainment consumption. If you want to watch a show, you simply go to your TV, you punch in one of a bajillion, that's technical for a lot, a bajillion different streaming services, and you can watch pretty much any show you want, anytime you want. You don't have to wait for it to come back on TV. No reruns for you. You pick what you want. You can pause, you can play, fast forward, rewind, but... How many of us know life does not come with a pause button? See, here's what's disturbing to me is how many times I have said since March, I can't believe that it's already May. Where did the time go? I can't believe it's already July. Where did the time go? I can't believe it's almost September, church. Where has the time gone? It's like I feel like for many of us, we felt like time paused because things are different, but time kept moving, but we instead just paused our lives even though life didn't pause itself. Any of you tracking with me here? How many minutes have we missed and moments in those minutes have we missed because we were not ready to step into it because it was different than what we anticipated? God, what happened? Why is this happening? And he says, don't focus on that. Focus on how God might use this minute to bring a divine moment that changes everything. See, I don't want to waste one more minute waiting for a different story or a different chapter or a different minute in this narrative. I want to embrace what God is doing because it's in the moments that we jump into that we don't waste that God shows up and he does incredible things. If you want to read the rest of the story later this week, go to John 9 and you'll see God radically changes the life not only of the blind man but those who witnessed his transformation. You see, when God shows up, minutes become moments that become defining divine moments. So, here's a question. Will we embrace the time that we're given and not just the minutes, but make the most of the moments? 
I want to give you something from Paul's words. Paul makes a similar statement in Ephesians 5. He says this. He says, redeeming the time. The way we live is to redeem the time. You say, what does that mean? Well, here's a real simple way to think about it. How many of you have ever had a, like a ticket to see a movie or go to a theme park or maybe you have one of those killer coupons that it's like a buy one, get 12 for free kind of coupons. Any of you ever have that moment where you have one of those? And on almost all of these, especially if it's a movie or if it's to go to a theme park, there's always this little thing on there where it has the date and the time that the coupon is redeemable. Meaning if you want to use it, you have a definitive amount of time and you can. But once it's over, you can't use it no matter how good it might have been. Are, are we following each other here? And Paul is saying, God has given you a coupon, a ticket for your life. Redeem that time while you've got the time. So I just want to give you five things. I shared these in an article back in April in our Celebration magazine, but I want to bring them back out here this morning. I want to give you five quick things to do to redeem the time. Number one, if you want to redeem the time, focus on what you can do, church, more than what you can't do. Focus on what you can do more than on what you can't do. Many of us have a list of what we can't do's, but our God is not the God of can't. He's the God of can. He's the God who gives you what you need to do what he's called you to do. This is what 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says. God's divine power has given us everything we need. Everything we need. For what? For life and godliness, meaning... If you don't have it, you don't need it today for life or godliness. Isn't that encouraging to know? Everything you need to do, what God has called you to do, you have right now. You say, well, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough relationships or connections. And God says, no, 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 no. What I've called you into, I've given you exactly what you need. So here's a real quick, important thing I'd invite you to do. Sometime today or with your small group or this week, take five minutes and inventory everything you have. What do you have relationally? Who are the relationships that God has given you? What are the resources God has given you financially? Maybe physically, what sort of health resources, what sort of um, uh, object resources? So you've got a house, a car, you have other things. What are the resources God has given to you? Uh, Inventory what God has given to you. Some of you have discovered that you have a spiritual gift, that God has given to you a gift. That is what God has given you for a purpose. Inventory it. And then in the moments when you're tempted to ask the question or feel like you do not have what God has called you to do, Go back and look at the list and say, no, no, he's given me everything I need for godliness and life. If it's not in that list, you don't need it to do what God's calling you to do. But what God is calling you to do is going to be in that list. Focus on what you can do more than what you can't do. I love the fact that in 1606, when a massive pandemic roiled through the nation, this man named Shakespeare In quarantine, wrote two of his most famous plays. He wrote Macbeth and he wrote Anthony and Cleopatra. And then in 1665, I love when Cambridge University closed for a year because of the great plague of London, the young scholar named Isaac Newton was sent home where he refined his ideas that later became his theory of gravity. Aren't you glad that they did not waste the minutes that God gave them, church? And I'm not saying you're going to discover a theory of equal to gravity, but God may do something 
revolutionary in the life of your family or someone you know if you will embrace the minutes and not just endure the minutes. So focus on what you can do, not just what you can't. Number two, read about God's goodness more than the global concerns around us. If you want to redeem the time, read about who God is, his character, his goodness, his purposes more than all the stress and all the stuff you read in the newspaper. In fact, I love what Jesus says in this next passage where he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In other words, everything you see, all the stress, worry, anxiety producing events of this world will eventually disappear. But the one thing that will remain is the God that you are growing to know and love. I, look, anyone else in here willing to admit that you're maybe a little bit of a news junkie like me? Any of here wake up and you, you check the news? Here's what I found. I would check the news in hopes of changing the news. But I could not change the news simply by knowing about the news. Anyone else in here try to change the news because you're just reading about it? Here's what I found, though. I was not able to change the news, but I was finding that the news was beginning to change me. I was so focused on what was going wrong in the world, I began to focus less on the God who controlled human events and stepped into them to change the world. And so about three weeks ago, I said, nope, I'm done. And so I just fasted from the news because I want the words of God, the truths of God to be the things that are permeating my life so that when moments come, when minutes are passing, I'm seeing what God is doing, not simply the concerns of the world. If you want to redeem the time, read more about God's goodness than world concerns. Number three, train today for who you want to be tomorrow. If you want to redeem the time, train today for who you want to be tomorrow. Here's the question. If you could design yourself for tomorrow, who would you be? See, I am the result right now, good and bad. I am the result of all of my yesterdays. So the body I have physically, the shape that I'm in, that is the result of my yesterdays. But if I want a different body for tomorrow, I have to make changes for tomorrow or I need to live accordingly. That's true not just physically, it's true of every aspect of life. Have you noticed this? That you train today according to who God is calling you to be tomorrow. If you want to be a different person tomorrow, begin training to be that person today. Use this off-season to train in your prayer time, your study, sacrificial giving, loving and caring for your family and for your neighbors. And if you're scratching your head saying, I don't know how to do that, go back to point number one. Look at the inventory of what God has given to you for life and godliness, and you'll find in there the resources to train to be who he's calling you to be. This is how we redeem the time. Number four, redeem the time by investing in those you are with. And if I were a smart aleck, I would add not with those you're not with. How many of us found ourselves over the past five months going, man, I'm stuck with the same people day in, day out, day in, day out. And finally we go, I'd love to be stuck with someone else for just a little while. But redeeming the time is saying, God has put you with the right people. Let's go back up. God has given us all things for life and godliness. That means the people you are with and have access to, not those you don't, are the people God has put in your sphere of influence to draw you to your purpose in this world. And so for this season, if you are primarily with your family, praise God. That is what God has given you for life and 
godliness. You say, my kids don't bring out godliness in me. That's where God says, oh, but I want them to. It'll push you back to prayer, to study. Invest in those. How do you invest in people? Number one, you put down the distractions, church. You got to get your face out of this and your face with the faces of others. Ask questions. You say, questions? What kind of questions? Well, first, don't ask yes, no, true, false kind of questions. So, for instance, uh, you you wouldn't say, uh, do you prefer cold weather or warm weather? Now, we all know that godly people always prefer cool weather, not hot weather. So, that one's easy, right? No, you ask different questions. You ask things like, what's your favorite time of year? Open-ended. What is it about the fall time that you love so much? Hey, tell me about that, that favorite moment that you've had over the past month. When was one time, George, that you just kind of came alive this past month? Um, what was that, that experience you had, Ken, where this just was awesome with your sweetheart, Betty? What did you guys do that was just so great? Ask questions. And if you're with family, play games. Ask about life. Listen to the answers. Follow up questions. Pray together. Tell stories. Look at the family photo album. My wife, Lindsay, for years has put together family photo albums for us. Every season, she'll go and she'll make a new photo album. And then we have a couple of little shelves that she's been stacking them up and they're just growing. And I love it when I look over and I'll see my son, Stephen, or daughter, Emma. They'll go and sometimes they'll just grab one of them. They'll sit down on the couch and they'll begin looking at the family photo album. And we'll come over, we'll sit down and say, hey, can I look at that with you? And we'll start pointing out the moments together. Oh, that was so fun, wasn't it? Oh, that was hilarious, wasn't it? Invest in the people that you're with. If you want to redeem the time, God has put people with you. By the way, if you cannot make more time, then it is the most valuable resource you have. Therefore, the greatest gift you can give anyone is simply the time that you have. Redeeming the time. Number five, and finally... Take sin seriously, family. Ah, my goodness. So the other day I was in a store and I saw this gentleman. I'm not making this up. He comes rolling in. He doesn't just have like a face mask, but this guy, he went full quarantine on us. He had a face mask. He had like plastic eye covering. Uh, he had gloves. And it, I mean, this looked like, and it wasn't like these little gloves. They were like mad scientist gloves. You know the ones I'm talking about? The big black ones. And, you know, I'm expecting him to pull out some sort of vial that's bubbling over or something. He had Purell. And so every time he'd get something from the shelf, he would put it in his buggy and he would then, he would do this. No matter what, even though he had rubber gloves on, he took germs so seriously. I was so impressed. And then I started thinking about my life, how I find myself taking my physical health far more seriously than my spiritual health at times. See, so many of us are concerned with not catching a virus when we're far more comfortable with allowing those other things, the sin in our life, to take root. But Jesus Christ himself says, listen, don't you worry so much about the things that can steal your physical life. You watch out for what can rob your eternal life. Jesus, if he were here this morning talking instead of me, physically speaking, I think he would say, gang, avoid sin like the plague. Spiritually disinfect your environment. Quarantine yourself from sin. And if you feel a poisonous word about to come, you cover your mouth like you would a cough. Let God's presence 
come through your life. Take your sin seriously. Christ died for our sin. Christ rose for our sin. Our sin is what separates us from God, but it's his blood, his forgiveness that reunites us. Listen, if you want to redeem the moments of today, of this week, take sin seriously. And and I, I just need to wake you up here because the fact is some in here, you will hear this, you'll say great points, you'll go home and you'll continue to live in things that are robbing you of the life God wants to give you. There's bitterness, there's addiction, there's secret sin, there's deceitful tongues, there's mismanagement of our finances because of greed. There are all these things that for many of us we have got to take seriously. And if we go to the one, to God, just like this blind man, when Jesus rolls up, what he desperately wants to do is he wants to liberate us, he wants to bring us back to life, he wants to give us what the world has robbed from us. And it may not be your sight, it may be your sense of purpose, it may not be your sight, but it may be freedom to not be controlled by your stuff, it may not be sight, but but it may be freedom from the addiction or secret sin. Redeeming the time means that we take sin seriously, that we walk with Jesus. So let's come back to the final question. Are you ready? How much of your time will be filled with moments and not just minutes? I believe God wants to do something incredible in the life of this church and church he already is. The stories we're hearing are incredible. In fact, in a couple weeks, we're going to just start sharing some of these stories with you about what God has been up to and, and the ways that your involvement in this body is making a difference locally, nationally, globally. But I don't want you to miss out on what God has planned. So this week, how much of your time will be filled with the moments and not just the minutes?